Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. Well, here we go for your Tuesday. It's Kelly Kirsch. We got Peter Klein back from his little uh, his little vacation out to the mountains. How are you, Pete? I'm good. Nice and uh, nice and relaxed. Didn't get storm stayed. So yeah, all uh, all systems go. It's pretty okay out there. An hour away. Yeah, it's and all it's, right. And it's like a world away in some ways. Yeah, it just looks like a postcard everywhere you look, and it's 45 minutes from our door. Yeah, it's not kinda, bad. Kind of spoiled. Kind of spoiled. Okay, so we got Klein back. We got Logan back. We got Tehachik coming back, and we're going to talk to Lou right now. Flames insider Peter Lubardius brought to you by the Gemini Group. Imagine your life, your style, your home renovation should be a reflection of you. Give your home the Gemini difference. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. Lou, we'll start with something you have absolutely no interest in. I got a uh, late email from uh, our friends that give us the uh, World Junior Hockey Championship radio feed, and they said they have a schedule, and I thought, hmm. I wonder if I can twist Lou's arm to talk a little bit about this tournament coming up in Alberta in December. Um, twist it. Yeah. It's, you know, uh, if, 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 it come, if, if it comes up, the next question will be, how do I twist to get up in that bubble <laughs> to help you. our radio station cover the event? Well, That'll that, be the next one. Yeah. I mean, the one th- I saw a thing that, this may be really good for the World Juniors, or depending on what the NHL does, how do you think that affects the guys that you know might be at camps and might not be? Like, I'm wondering how that's going to – I'm wondering if we're going to have another 2005 on our hands. Well, there's, there's a possibility. For me, it's going to boil down to a couple of things, and that is um, when do NHL camps start? So that's – Part number one, if they are still going to find a way to have January or early January, the start of the new season, then I think that's a completely different question. But let's just say it's February the 1st. I don't really see a scenario based on everything where why wouldn't you potentially want your young people involved in some high-level competition going into your next season, especially if they're in a scenario, Kelly. And, you know, think about it this way. If, if you're in the Quebec League in certain places, if you are in Europe, look at all the players that have been moved over there. Like, the one thing that hasn't been talked about a lot for NHL organizations is you're going to pay some form of a price in your development for people not having a place to play has to be so that way, right? Like- it, it does have to be that way. So um, I also think part number two of the answer is I think it depends on the player. So let's take Alexi Lafreniere, number one pick, already played in two world juniors. Depending on the timing, I am probably less inclined, especially if you're one of those teams who get incredibly nervous about someone being injured on someone else's dime or someone else's watch, then, you know, this is a guy who's been through it twice. He's been there. He's done it all. You might feel like he's had his time around junior hockey, but for a lot of the other top prospects, I just don't see a way where you wouldn't make people available, especially if they have not been playing very much over in North America. 
I think it's an incredible kickstart to your season. But back to point one, Kelly, when's camp going to start? So if, if camp doesn't start until after the World Junior, then I think we're very much have the potential of, if not 2005, let's go back to another example, 2013. Remember, 2013 was the shortened 48-game season coming out of you know the labor dispute. This is kind of one of those situations, depending on timing, that I would liken it to. And if you go back and look at some of those rosters, you know, there were a lot of really good players who were available who might not have been available. And I was just trying to think how this is going to work logistically for the teams from Germany and Russia, Finland, all the uh, European teams that have to come over. It's going to be, they're going to have to quarantine. They're going to have to be kind of in a Mm -hmm. bubble together and they're going to have to be able to practice together. That is going to take... That's going to take some logistics. You wonder if they kind of spread out the uh, the footprint a little bit and have them train in other places, like maybe Red Deer Calgary or something like that. They might have to. Well, they might have to, depending on rank availability. And like you said, um, a lot is going to depend, even at that point, on how does the Canadian government feel about people coming into your country. But, Kelly, I, I think the difference is the same way. I don't think we need to look at this a whole lot different than what occurred during the NHL playoffs because weren't teams in that exact same situation where they were coming in from the United States and getting into the bubble on the 25th of July and then going about their business. So I don't really see this as any different because when the kids get in, they're going in the bubble, which means they're completely away from everyone and they you know like the nhlers they'll practice away they'll pick their spots you know there's more than enough ranks to look after business and you know the great thing for the world junior and the iihf who obviously made the decision was the nhl laid a pretty beautiful blueprint for this to happen here's how it works guys yes yeah interesting so that is uh, coming up We'll have the games right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. We're chatting with Peter Labardius. It is Hockey Central at noon. We're also joined by, well, he's been out in the mountains for a few days, so now he's back. He's ready to go. He's fired up. He's Peter Klein. Uh, and as I'm gone, the Flames make a bit of news as uh, Joachim Nordstrom signs with the Flames. Lou, how do you feel the latest Swede joining the Flames fits in on the roster? Okay, well, let's order those Trey Kronars now for sure. Let's just, like, honestly, <laughs> let's just get the blue and yellow third because with every <laughs> passing transaction, we're moving more and more in, in the Swedish world and, you know, in dealing with so many Swedes and who they are as people and the type of players they are. Uh, I've, I've met very few in my professional career that I haven't liked. So that's, that's, that's number one and going to have fun with that as long as they keep uh, adding more of them to the fold. Um, in the case of Nordstrom, I look at it this way, Peter. So when Tobias Reeder was not retained or, you know, made his way down the road, you were in need of another penalty killer, somebody to round out your bottom six. In the case of Nordstrom, you know, someone who I'm not sure is the same level of penalty killer, but he's been good at it. But here's what I like about this guy twofold. 
he's bigger. You know, he's in the 6'1", 190 category. So he gives you a little bit more size. Um, at one point, 2016, he was a 10-goal getter. So that's been his ceiling, depending on responsibility. And if you think that he's going to play in that neighborhood in Calgary's lineup, that's probably some form of an expectation in that 5-10 to 10 goal whatever you want to surmise there. And if you're moving to, let's say, a bit of a different, more physical, hard-to-play-against team, I wouldn't call him the most physical guy I've ever seen, but he does give you more size, and he skates well. However, there's another caveat. He's won a Stanley Cup. Mr. Klein, he has 36 playoff games in the last two years under his belt. So as you try to continue with Calgary to build a team with more playoff experience and more understanding of being around it and understanding at least what that takes, I see that as a big benefit. And part number four, Joachim Nordstrom, I guarantee you, will always, till the end of time, have a fond memory of the Saddledome. You know why? Because in 2012, he won a world junior title, um, which for the Swedes has been next to impossible getting back to that. See, Kelly, this is this nice, you know, what do we call those segues in our business where you, right? Right. So he won a world junior on saddle dome ice 2012. He scored four goals, was a really good player. For Sweden, in a year where they actually turned a perfect round robin into a gold medal. Imagine the Swedes have won 52 straight round robin games at the World Junior and have won gold medal. Well, Joachim Nordstrom has one of those coveted, hard-to-get gold medals. I can't believe that was in 2012 when you think about how long ago it was. What happened there? Peter Labardius is our guest on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Uh, I'm Kelly Kirsch. We're going to get everybody in the conversation now. So as you're you're sitting in your truck and you're eating your Subway for lunch or whatever you got, this this is going to get people fired up. And I'm glad Lou kind of, you know, floated this question because a guy that is frustrating, exciting, polarizing, um, there are so many different words you can describe the time that Sam Bennett has been aflame, and I think we have to discuss where he comes from. And I guess there, there's two Sam Bennett's. There's playoff Sam Bennett, and there's regular season Sam Bennett. We like playoff Sam Bennett. We'd like to see that in the regular season even a little bit. Lou, this, this is a bit of a can of worms, but uh, you <laughs> wanted to bring it up, so let's. the floor is yours. We'll get Logan and, and PK to get in here, too. Okay, but I want to ask before I answer. Is that okay? Sure. Okay, so um, I think we'd all be in agreement that coming out of yet another playoff situation for the Flames, Sam Bennett has not been anything but a really good playoff performer. Something that, fellas, I don't think we could say about some of the other key players on this team. So when I think about Sam, and every once in a while, um, you know, there's talk about moving on from him. Um, There's obviously just the parallel that the boss just brought up about, you know, why can't we get more of one than the other? 
I am not at this point, at this point, am I willing to give up on a playoff performer? But here's the question I ask you young guys in particular, and you too, Kelly. What's a proper regular season expectation for Sam Bennett? And, and how do we get there? And I'll let you go, and then I'll yeah. wrap around. Well, I'll, I'll start. I think he's got to be really solid on your third line, and he's got to be a center, and he's got to get – He's. I don't expect 20 goals, but I would like to see 15. Peter? Yeah, the, the center ice position is certainly the interesting one with him. And, yeah, if you can get to, to around 15 goals, I would just add on to that. And he did a better job of it this year, but – cut out some more of the the silly penalties and some of the the silly decision making but yeah if you can from a numbers perspective get to around 15 goals as this team's third line center then i'm feeling much happier about the regular season performance of sam bennett logo yeah for me it's just it's for it's a lot of day-to-day engagement game in game out from sam i want to see the same or similar version of him on a, on a nightly basis it doesn't have to be you know full out you know, running everybody through the boards, that's not a sustainable way to play, but a more consistent version of him on a night-in, night-out basis, I think, is the is the key for him going forward. I look at it now this way. If I have a lot of question marks of other guys at the most important time of the year, I'm going to have a hard time being too hard on him in the regular season. Understanding that you've got to get to the playoffs, to make a difference but at this point with what i have seen from sam i i think for me depending on where he sits in your chart it's it's i was he not arguably their best center in the playoffs he was to me like he was the most noticeable anyway yeah. okay yeah, I, don't, I don't even know if um, it was arguably like I, I think he was for sure right right so, but in saying that, I've always felt with Sam um, two things. You can't play necessarily exactly that way. The same kind of conversation we had about Michael Furlan. Remember that? Coming off that great playoff, um, you know, where he played such a huge role in the win, in particular over Vancouver in 2015, where he was a wrecking ball. So, yes, in the case of Sam, you need more consistency. But for the Calgary Flames, at this point, and you have the time left to really find out, I am at this point, like today, because we don't know, guys, how it's going to play itself out. I'm going to reward Sam with more consistency going forward. So... I'm going to right now today, I'm going to say you're going to potentially center that third group. And I am more than willing, going to be more than willing, as long as he holds up his end of the bargain, to even move him up. Because depending on how this thing plays out, guys, I keep going back to the same thing, and I'm going to. There needs to be, in my opinion, and sometimes it can just be role, It can be responsibility. It can be ice time. It can be expectation. And that is, there requires some reconstruction where the forward group is concerned. 
But if I'm in need of finding more playoff-oriented performers, like, I've changed. I've changed. And And it was more solid for me after what I just saw than ever before. So my answer is I need more. But as long as you are going to play a role and I find a role that allows you to give me regular season success, I no longer look at this guy like a fourth overall pick. I don't even necessarily need 18 and 18 for 36. Be productive, get better. I I like him in the middle. I really do. When you think about this team, Today, however, they're going to go Monaghan, Backlund, Bennett, Derek Ryan down the middle. That looks like a pretty good place to start. Yeah, you know, Lou, I'll jump in here. I, I think I hope fans and everybody is 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 gotten over this. He was the four, you know fourth pick overall and that stuff. I just don't think that matters anymore. It just no. you, just, you just want him to play. And I think you know we talk about playoff Sam and we talk about regular season Sam. I just can we just not have such a day and night kind of thing. I think that's what fans are thinking. Like, I like the way he plays. I like his energy. And and PK said it right. It's like, what do you do about those penalties? Because it just seems to happen at the wrong time and they're in the wrong end of the ice. It's like, ah. And and they do sting once in a while. Where do you come out on, on the penalties that he, that he well, takes? Well, listen, that's about growth and maturity, right? I, I think for Sam, that's what it's all been about. I think the guy who's put the most pressure on himself to produce as a number four overall pick is not the fans. It's him. And I think as he matures and grows, what I'm really hoping for Sam Bennett is that this playoff scenario eradicates what he's struggled with. He, I truly believe in my heart, and even in some of the discussions I've had either with him or with coaches, is I think he equates success in the regular season with points. He's a good player. And when his mind is focused on being a hard, great skating, miserable to play against guy, more often than not, with adding, as you guys talked about, more discipline. But part of, but part of playing the way he does, now, does he need to clean it up? You do need to clean it up. And the other thing I want to throw at you guys about Sam Bennett is this. Does Sam Bennett in his own way, and I'm not taking away from what he's done in the playoffs. That would be completely hypocritical to what I've just stated and what I believed. But do we look at Sam Bennett differently as this outstanding playoff performer because as much about how he elevates or as much about how others have not lived up to their end of the bargain. I, I think I, th- I knew you were going to say that. I think it's a little bit of both, Lou. I, I think do it is. Too. I think it's amazing. I, I, I think it's amazing that we've seen that. If we never saw that from Sam, we're having a different conversation. I, I or, or we're not having it because if if we didn't see playoff Sam Bennett the way he had that energy, like and 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 in multiple series, I don't know where we're at with him, but we do. And right. and it and it's, it's like and should he be the be- should he be the most noticeable right. center on the on the team? Nope. Right. No. See. So that. So like where you know where does where do, and that's why I brought it up to the young guys to begin with. Like so, where do you place where do you place your value? Because sometimes it's funny how things go. And 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 I've been part of the parade at times for certain reasons with Sam 
wanting more. But if we're going to want more from Sam and have these great expectations, then are we looking at other key guys on this team the same way? Or do we just say, because you get us this many regular season points, that's fine. And if that's what you want, that's fine. You need both. I'm not saying that you're not trying to marry both together. You can't have a playoff if you don't. But I I think Sam sometimes in his own way takes, like we have so much expectation for Sam to do it all. Well, why don't we have the same expectation for other guys in some cases who are great in certain ways but aren't in the playoffs? Yeah. No, and is, and do that's we, as, as Kelly was quick, and I knew he knew I was going to go there, like, is, is Sam more of a unicorn because of Sam, or does Sam sometimes feel like a playoff unicorn the last few go-rounds because he doesn't have enough people on the wagon to look at? Yeah, but you can't get to the playoffs, you know, in game one of the regular season, right? So there's, there's yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> and, and then you've got, and PK, you also have the... Uh, the Seattle expansion draft on the horizon too, right? That that plays into things. Absolutely it does. Uh, and I, I think that's one of the reasons why day one of free agency, we saw a bunch of two-year contracts handed out. Teams are starting to look at that. And when you look at the case of Sam Bennett in terms of where he fits in with uh, expansion protection, I think that conversation gets very interesting because as this team is currently constructed, he is right on that borderline of do you keep him or not. And if you are keeping him, you're making an uncomfortable decision with someone who normally probably would have been a lock. I think the case of Sam Bennett with Seattle is going to be very, very interesting. Again, if this team stays as currently constructed. There. Yeah. There's what's really important. Isn't it fascinating how sports goes in this respect? And it really puts Sam's scenario in a nutshell. We have great expectations in the playoffs, but we don't pay people necessarily for playoff performance, but we pay people for regular season performance. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. It's a little backwards in yeah. some respects. It is. We want wins. We want people who can elevate, but the structure, and I understand you have to get there to do it, But I love these conversations because I think every time you sit in your truck or sit in your couch and you go, well, we should do this or we shouldn't do this or think about it this way. um, I always want to come across and I'm I'm not sure I always do, but it's it's to really conjure up conversation and that there's so much gray and it's not one way or the other. There's lots to think about and defining like just with Sam defining exactly what it is from him is a good place to start. And only the flames really know the answer, but I can tell you, Sam keeps his flame days alive because he gets it done at a time where other people have not. Yeah. Do we, uh, tomorrow, do we want to talk about Derek Ryan and where he fits too? Do you want sure. to get into that? Cause I was, Guys are talking a little bit about it in the morning show, and I've seen some stuff. It's like, hmm, that might be a one to talk about, too. So uh, unless we get another crazy signing or trade or something, you know, then we'll switch things around. But I thought uh, that'd be a good way to uh, lead the conversation. Uh, Lou, before we let you go, it's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's, a big, it's a big night in the Lou household. Like, 
you know, <laughs> for for one of us. Yeah, it's yes, uh, yes. Well, I was just watching on Sportsnet, and uh, it, it's always the same way. Like, uh, you know, they left Steve Rogers in too long, the Montreal Expos, and Rick Monday comes up. It's like mm-hmm. I keep I keep hoping for a different result. And it's like, why is he still? No, in it's still he still hits it out. <laughs> yeah, it's still it's. Still and I up. actually was I, I'm embarrassed to say it, but I'm one of the only Canadians who actually like really enjoyed that Monday afternoon. Oh, no I pun was, intended. I was devastated. Yeah, Absolutely I get it. Absolutely devastated. I get it. Yeah. Oh, still stings when I see it. But uh, I've got a few of those. Yep. Well, I th- I hope it's an awesome World Series. I think it's going to be. I think there's so many storylines. I think there's some amazing pitching. Um, I guess we'll see, right? What uh, y- you ready for for the long haul here? Because I think she's going to go six seven. Yeah, you know what, Kelly? Um, you know this this in many ways for me is a, a classic matchup for so many reasons. You know, you have the Dodgers with a great core or a lot of guys who are, have done this now for this will be a third time. I, I think Mookie Betts is, to be frank, I think he's really changed the complexion of the team. Um, that's a, I know when they paid him a gazillion dollars um, for a change, it might be the guy in some ways to help put them over. I mean, think, I mean, forget about that he batted just over 200 in the LCS. If he doesn't make the defensive plays that he made at key times, you don't win. And that, and that kind of stuff can't be overlooked. The Dodgers very much are a, a power-hitting team against, I mean, does anybody, Mr. Klein, does anybody on Tampa, and I've watched them a lot now for the last three weeks, like if you don't throw 97, I don't know if you can be on their staff. Yeah, they, they certainly have a type in, in Tampa Bay when they're scouting, don't they? Oh, man. I mean, and <laughs> the thing I love about Tampa, too, is they defend their tails off. So... I love it because we're we're in this analytics world, and even the Dodgers series against the Braves still showed you that no matter how you launch the angle or the velocity, how you manage key moments, and in baseball, every pitch and every ninety feet matters. Yep. And how you like, make mistakes the on the bases. That part never yep. changes. Yeah, that's always the fun part. And my favorite part about baseball, there's no clock. You've got to get these guys out, otherwise you don't win, and I just I just love it. We'll have uh, Game 1 tonight on the radio. We'll talk about it tomorrow. 6 o'clock, we'll go to it, and uh, Game 2 will be the following night. So looking forward to it. Lou, enjoy the rest of your day. We'll talk tomorrow. Okay, have a great one, everybody. Flames insider Peter Lubardius brought to you by the Gemini Group. Imagine your life, your style, your home renovation should be a reflection of you. Give your home the Gemini difference. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. We are live and doing our thing from the Iconic Studio, powered by Iconic Electric and Controls. People first. It's Iconic. Visit IconicEC.ca to find out more. We've got our NHL insider, Eric DeHatcha, coming up. We'll... uh, He's been writing like crazy. He's got all kinds of things going on. We'll talk to Eric about that next right here on Hockey Central at Noon. Hockey Central at Noon on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. World Series Game 1 is tonight on Sportsnet 960, The Fan, coming up at 6 o'clock. We've got the big show coming up at 1. Right now, time to head down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Now open for limited dine-in service with all safety precautions in place. Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, the best pizza, pasta, steaks, and ribs since 1975. Check them out 
at 6060 Memorial Drive in the Northeast. He's our NHL insider. He's Eric DeHatchik. And Eric, when we talked on Thursday, we had uh, maybe some foreshadowing about Joe Thornton because we talked about him maybe going to Europe and the rumors around like maybe he, he gets one more, you know, one more dance in the NHL. And when you heard the news on Friday, what'd you think of Joe Thornton becoming a Maple Leaf? Yeah, great. Uh, I, I think it's a great call. Now, I know that um, it seemed that the, the, the world was divided on this because, you know, they already have Jason Spezza to play that role of the eminence grease, as you were, you know, the senior statesman that, uh, you know, that, that creates uh, leadership in the dressing room and, and wisdom, you know, at those key moments when, when you need someone to speak up. Um, but I don't, I don't have a problem with having two players that, that, that fill that role. For one thing, I, I think that at this stage of their career, I mean, both these are both superstar players in their primes who are obviously, you know, near the end of their careers, but they bring different things to the mix. And I think the one thing about Thornton is that of all the players that I've covered over the last 20 years, you know, to me, he is the best passer that I've ever seen. So he just has that unbelievable vision and the ability to thread the needle and, and he still has it, you know? So, so five on five, he had, like I had to look this up because there's a part of me that thinks, okay, five on five is where the, the bottom is going to fall out of Joe Thornton's game. And, and, you know, like if he can give you something on the power play, great, but he actually had a pretty good year five on five. They, they played him lower on the depth chart in, in San Jose. Um, so he was essentially their, their third line center, but he got three quarters of the points that he produced were five on five. He, you know, he wasn't scoring a point a game or a point and a quarter a game like he was in in, in the prime of his career. But but I, I, I remember you know he went in and told the coaches that you know wherever you think you need to use me, that's where you should use me. He played a lot with Marcus Sorensen, so he's not there with the big boys anymore. Um, but I think that you know that Toronto power play last year was was all eggs in one basket, right? So they have those four fabulous forwards, and then a lot of mostly it was Tyson Berry on the, on the point. And it, you know, it was okay, but it, it wasn't great. So now I think that by bringing Thornton in, you can have a, a one unit and a two unit. And I think that you know, like if he's the guy on the half board that's you know directing traffic, I, I think something left. So I think that you know he's he's a big personality. I think he could take some of the pressure off of the younger players there to constantly be in front of the. the, the, the I don't know. Like I, I think that he creates intangible value. And I think that he will be able to give them something on the ice. So I, I think it's a it's a low risk move for seven hundred thousand dollars to bring in a, a, an icon like him. You know, I, I think it, it, it's a smart decision by Toronto to do that. We're chatting with Eric Dehatchek here on Hockey Central at noon. A little bit of a wonky phone line from Eric, so. Uh, we're going to try one more question, Eric, and we might have to re re uh, re up with you. But I wanted to ask you about the uh, the Flames as uh, they've done some tweaks. They've uh, had you know obviously a major signing. Where do you think, as it stands now, where the Flames are you know don't have a lot more money to to play around with unless they move somebody out? A, do you think what do you think of all the moves and what they've got for their roster? And B, do you think they're done maybe tweaking and maybe making something major in terms of a trade? Yeah, well, uh, I mean, to me, there's a there's there's a couple of ways to go. Like, and 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 my I don't I don't think that they're done because I I do think that there are still, you know, roster spots that they need to fill. You know, they they need another warm body on defense, I believe, and uh, you know, Joaquin Nystrom coming in at seven hundred thousand. You know, mo- a lot of teams are finding those uh, bargain bin guys because you know we're we're you know well past uh, uh you know the you know the, that seventy two hour 
period coming out of free agency where everybody gets really excited and, and the big names like the, the Jacob Markstroms, uh, you know, come off the board fairly quickly. So I, I, no, I do think that there's still some moves to be made. I mean, I, you know, I mean, I floated something last Friday. I don't know if this is going to happen, but you know, one of the things that I like to do uh, is is just you know put myself in the general manager seat. It's something, it's, it's something we're sort of um, <clears throat> encouraged to do uh, where I work right now at the Athletic. You know, what would you do? The, the question is put to you. What would you do if you were running the team and 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 where do you find you know a, like a a, a a guy around the national hockey league that could help the team that you cover and then create a plausible scenario for that to come up because you know like i mean we can all always go pie in the sky you know and, and that doesn't happen so I, I started going through the rosters and i thought you know i mean oliver ekman larson that's a really interesting name right okay so it's interesting because uh you know the management here drafted him originally in arizona so there's a connection there so one of the things when you when you consider trying to encourage a player like him who has no trade contract in, in, in Arizona to join your organization, you have to trust him and he has to trust you, right? And, and, and so, so this organization here has a familiarity with him that, that others don't, right? So then you look at, okay, when, 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 it was, when, when all of that talk was going down you know, just before free agency and, uh, and he said, I would play in Vancouver, I would play in Boston, I don't want to play anywhere else. Um, and, and neither of those teams was able to work out, you know, compensation. So, you know, he's there. Now, you know, why, why did he want to go to Vancouver? Why well, he's got a relationship with Jacob Markstrom, the goaltender there. And, uh, you know, but now, of course, Jacob Markstrom plays for Calgary. So that relationship transfers here. And then when you look at the roster here with the number of Swedish players that, that are there, and, you know, and Michael Backlund does such a really good job of running, you know, they call it the Swedish mafia internally, but I don't think that's a bad way of putting it. You know, he, he you know, he, he's the, you know, sort of senior statesman, and, and, and a lot of the other Swedes here are, you know, sort of, friends and, and, and they you know they they have a nice cabal there. There's a comfort level for those players in this situation. And so Okay, so Le- Lechman Larson's a left side defense. And you've got Giordano here already. You've got Hannafin here. You've got a couple of, you know, Valimaki coming up. But, but you know, in order to, to make a deal for Ekman Larson, you'd have to move Hannafin out. So that's a left side defenseman. So is that an upgrade? And then can you find $3.3 million, which is the difference between what Ekman Larson makes and what Hannafin makes? I, I think there's ways of tweaking the roster and, and, and moving pieces around where you might be able to do that. So that's the one, you know, thing. Like, if, if, if there's a home run left to be for this organization, I think that that might be it. You know, I, I know that there were other names linked to, to Calgary that I tried to explore, like Jake DeBrus, but, you know, he's another left side, you know, uh, uh, winger. You, you probably need help on the right side. So I, I, I couldn't find a, a proper fit. So there's a, there's a, 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 a name that, you know, that I, I'm just curious to, to see if, if it's worth pursuing because it's the kind of thing where you might make the call and, this, and, and the answer might be, no, you know, player's just going to stay in Arizona, play yeah. out his contract, end of story. But, but I want you know, like if, if that isn't a, a, a reinforcement that you could bring in and, and now you've got like a really, you know, a, a true, another true number one defenseman. And that makes you better, right? Well, that makes you better. Because ultimately, what are we, you know, when, when you go into this offseason and your team hasn't won the Stanley Cup, what you want to do is not stay the same or not shuffle bodies in and shuffle bodies out. So there may be some new faces, but are you really better? The answer for, I think, for like 25 out of 31 teams is like, no, they're not better. There, there's, there's very few teams that have made a, a very obvious improvement. But I think that if you'd get 
a defenseman of that caliber in here, you know, combined with the goaltender that you brought in, combined with the solid citizen and Chris Tanev, then you are better. And, you know, and maybe, you know, maybe you don't have to change too much up front if you become that much better on the blue line and in goal. Yeah, because it, it's kind of a different way of fixing things because after the season ended, what most people were saying in, in the media and fans and everybody is that, you know, it was, it was the, you know, the, the forwards that had to get changed in a, in a change of attitude and, or a tweak or a major tweak, and I haven't touched them yet. And if we, we talk about, okay, well, the goalie's fixed. They've done some stuff on defense, and if they do you know, this major deal with Arizona, just hypothetically, but it's still the same, same forward group. But you're saying if, the, if the, the back end is better, maybe that helps the offense out that you have? Well, absolutely, and, and and there's lots of ways of skinning a cat, right, or, or winning games, you know. So there are teams, you know, that that, that want to play every game and, and have it finished five four. Uh, but if you can, if if you are are simply a better defensive team, if you simply have the puck more, because because the six defensemen that you've got, you know, handle it it, it so well. Um, yes, I, I think you're you're further ahead. I mean, you know, this, there's always a you know like a hundred and some odd goals different or or more. Sometimes between the teams that score the most and the score the least, but there have been times. You know, the Los Angeles Kings are a great example. You know, when the years that they were winning the Stanley Cup, they 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 were one of the lowest scoring teams in the National Hockey League. Why did they win? Well, because they won because Jonathan Quick was sensational in goal, because Drew Doughty was at the top of his game, probably the number one defenseman in in the game. They were strong down the middle with Andre Kopitar, this responsible 200-foot uh, centerman, and then they filled in all the pieces uh, around them. But you know, if you look at them on paper and, and you know they were 23rd out of 31 teams in the league in, in, in scoring so there, there there's lots of different ways of winning and to me if you you know obviously you know with the addition of, uh, of Markstrom in goal and, and if you can quantitatively improve the defense then yeah I, I think the forward group is, is strong enough it is absolutely strong enough uh, as uh, constituted to, uh, to 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 make you better and, and to put you from that sort of bubble playoff team which is what they were this year uh, back to the you know the, the higher level that they were at two years ago Looking at the NHL trade market as a whole right now, uh, it looked like things were starting to pick up a little bit, but now the the trade tracker on Sportsnet.ca is starting to collect dust um, yeah. with nothing happening over the last week and a bit. Do you think the the lack of activity on the the trade market is going to kind of slow up any plans that Brad Living may have had of, of addressing some of the other needs for the Flames this year? Uh, well, you know, there are. I think most of the, the the trades are done. You know, like I said, you know, Ekman Larson. The only reason why I brought bring him up is because, um, you know, the, the, it was a very um, it was publicly discussed, right? I mean, the agent was acknowledging that, uh, um, you know, that the team had asked him to move on, and uh, and that you know, for whatever reason, it didn't work out with the teams that that he was prepared to go to. So so that's out there. But but when I look at what's available right now, from what well, first of all my understanding from talking to, to various people is that right now there's a, the holding pattern has as much to do with 
teams trying to get a direction of what next season actually looks like before they, they move on. So, you know, there's a handful of, of free agents out there. You know, like I said, I, I like Eric Hall. I like Sammy Vatanen. These are players, Mike Hoffman. These are players that are sort of um, you know, weighing offers, uh, and, uh, you know, probably not the kind of dollars that they want or the kind of terms that they want. And, and so, you know, because they're not great offers, they, they feel that they can take some, some time with them. And so I think that that's the only thing you're going to see in the next, you know, seven to ten days. Some of these, you know, middle-level free agents uh, coming off the board. I think the only prominent player that might get traded would be a guy like uh, Ekman Larson. But uh, but but they, the teams want to get direction from the National Hockey League. What is it going to look like? Are we going to play 56 games? Are we going to play 48 games? Are we going to start on January 1st? Are we starting on February 1st? Are we going to start in in a bubble? I'm I'm, I'm convinced. I've, I've floated this concept back in August before people started talking about it. I, I am absolutely convinced that the, that the NHL will reconfigure into four divisions, and one will be all the teams in Canada because of the the, the issues with with border crossings and. So so, I, I, you know, like if you were to ask me to, to place a wager, that, that's my guess. So that, that is my absolute wager that that's what's going to happen. So then, uh, you know, you have to plan accordingly. Uh, you know, you have X amount of dollars to spend if there's a possibility of seeing fans in the building. But, but if you don't, then, you know, you, you, you may not go out there and make that expensive last purchase in, in free agency. You might hoard that salary cap space. So there's a lot of confusion, I think, in, in, the, in, in the, the manager's offices, and, and it's just because of the world that we live in. And, and I think that, you know, the NHL is trying to sort of parse all of these different options going forward, but, but they really don't know either because, you know, the world could look differently in two weeks' time than it does today, and it could look differently a month from now. But realistically, if you're going to play, you know, you're going to have to get a schedule. And then if you're going to play, if you play in a bubble, then you have to start, you know, setting aside dates in buildings, uh, or, or, or like, or, I'm getting that backwards. If you're, if you're playing in a bubble, you have to designate a bubble and then put all of the teams in there. And if, but if you're, if you're planning to do a, a scenario where, you know, you're actually traveling to the buildings, you know, you know, you're probably playing double headers. But then you have to, you know, know that you're, you know, if you're Calgary, you're playing in Toronto on February 1st and 3rd, and then you're playing in Ottawa on the 5th and 7th, and then you're coming home, and then you've got a home stand, and then you're, you know, you're getting Montreal and Winnipeg the next time through. So it's, it's really complicated. It's really a mess. And, and there are a whole bunch of people that, you know, like I'm talking to them on the phone, but figuratively, I could just sort of see them throwing the pencil up in the air and say, I don't know. And that's, that's where things stand. Eric, we're just about out of time. You got one more, Pete, or no? Uh, yeah, I, I did, if that's all right. Um, I just wanted to ask um, Eric's story on The Athletic right now, uh, how Jamie McCallum pulled off the greatest comeback in Flames history. Some of the details in this are really graphic, um, and just you, you forget what he went through. But just wanted, without giving too much away, um, was there an anecdote or, or something in there that you had either didn't know about before or had forgotten over the years that kind of stood out to you? Yeah, well, I'm glad you asked that. I hope you have a few minutes. So, so briefly, okay, so it's the 40th anniversary of the Flames, and I am going to be rolling out stories 
you know, I have already, and, and I will this month and, and into next month, stories about you know, 40, you know, 40 years in Calgary. And, uh, and, and, and I, when I contacted Jamie, uh, you know, I said, I, I said, I think yours is the greatest comeback in NHL history. And there, there's a little bit of a personal thing too, because the year that he got injured in that car crash was the year that I started to train uh, again for, for running, right? So I've run forever and ever. And I used to live in Coach Hill. And, uh, and honestly, like Jamie kept telling me in the story that I did in the Herald back in 1987, that, the, you know, the improvement is so, slight and, and you just have to be persistent you have to keep working 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 to get back into shape and, and I told him when I interviewed him I said I've had those words you know echoing around in my brain for 30 plus years because every time I start to train again for a summer running season and, and I'm going up that hill and staring at it thinking I'll never do it you know I just keep reminding myself little by little little by little little by little and so I asked him you know I said you know I, I can't be the only person that you've inspired with this comeback story and he related some stories about you know, how he would, you know, people would randomly come up to him and say that, you know, that they, you know, people in their family took inspiration for his story. But to your specific question, yeah, I thought I knew everything about the story. But when he told me, the, almost the first thing out of his mouth was, he said, well, you know, like three or four days in, they were talking about amputating my arm. And it was like, what? And I had not heard that story. And so I said, well, you know, and, and he went into, as you say, fairly great detail about the conversation that he had because he was so badly damaged and the doctors gave him such a little opportunity of, of getting the, you know, the, the movement and the use of his arm back that, that that was one of the things that they were asking him to consider. And so when you think about where he was in 1987, you know, the front page of the, the Calgary Sun at the time had the picture of his sports car, you know, like he looked at it and he said, how, how could anyone have survived that? To a point where two years later, you know, not only is he playing for the Flames in the Stanley Cup team, but he was a really important piece. You know, he was a really important piece because when when Gary Suter got hurt, you know, McCowan and Natchez had to play much bigger minutes, and they were, you know, the unsung heroes of it. Uh, I remember doing an anniversary piece on that cup win, talking to Terry Crisp, and, and he singled out Jamie McCowan and Joel Otto as two of the great unsung heroes of that cup run because, you know, they just, they just played so hard. And so, uh, so yeah, I, I mean, it was, it was, I, I love, you know, going down the rabbit hole of, of, of the, of the past. And it looks like most people seem to like the story. Um, you know, Jamie, you know, he's a realtor in town and, you know, head of the alumni, good, good person. And, uh, so it was a fun story to do. And, uh, thank you for mentioning it. Uh, I hope, uh, anyone that well, it's long, but, uh, anyone interested in it can find it on our website at the athletic right now. So, all right, Eric, we will let you go. We'll talk on Thursday and see what uh, what we can dig up. There could be some stories. There always seems to be. We appreciate you taking the time. Thank you. There we go. Eric DeHatchik right here, one of our NHL insiders on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Uh, Got to talk about the Eric Francis Pizza Pig Out. This used to be, like, you know, one of the cool things we did in in October, you know. We'd all go down there, have some fun, meet a bunch of new people, a bunch of athletes would be there, a bunch of media types, and raise a bunch of money for kids sport and some other charities. Well, we can't do that. We can't hang out at Cowboys and we can't all be together, but we are still trying to raise some money and we're still going to eat pizza, right? We're not going to give that up. Uh, so what we've done is it's just taking it virtual. What you want to do is go to ericfrancispizzapigout.com. Have a look, go get yourself a, you know, greasy wheel from one of the, one of the participating uh, pizza places, vote for your favorite in whatever category. And uh, you can also check out something kind of cool. They've got an auction up 
as um, it's it's basically helping out kids to get back to the the back to sport project is what they call it, and um, it helps out low income families. As simple as that. So you can do that. So that just the the website when you Google it is ericfrancispizzapigout.com, helping out uh, kids sport Calgary. Take a break and set up what's happening on the big show coming up at one o'clock right here on Hockey Central.